It has been a joy and so grateful for this church, thankful uh, to be one of the pastors here. It's really been probably about a year, a year and a half that I had the privilege serving with these men. Um, and I think uh, Keith really said it right. Uh, much humility, a lot of giftedness, and I just so appreciate each man and what they, they bring to the table. And I'm honored to be a part of this team and what God is doing here. And of course, uh, we're honored to serve you. Uh, this really is a great church. And we thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for your prayers. Um, been in a lot of different churches that I can honestly say, probably in the 200-some churches that we've been in, um, there is something special going on here. And so it really is a joy to serve you. I'm going to ask you this morning to take your Bibles and open up to Colossians chapter 1. Pastor and I were talking probably a couple of months ago, and he said after his 2 Corinthians, taking a little bit of break, and as we begin to pray through what God would have for the next four weeks, Colossians really came to my mind. It is a book that probably, if I could pick a book, in our ministry for the last 16, 15, 16 years in Africa, Colossians has been one of those books that God has really used in my life. And so we're going to go ahead for the next four weeks, look at some of the messages in Colossians. But let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the songs and the singing. Beautiful, beautiful songs, Lord, as we reflect on Christ and all that he has done for us. Uh, Father, once again, as we come, I believe you have prepared our hearts now for the ultimate act of worship to open up your word. And Father, I realize that human words fall straight to the ground. But Father, your word is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So, Father, would you open our eyes and open our ears and take your word deep within us and let it grow us into the image of Christ. And, Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory for what you and you alone can do. In Jesus' name, amen. A question I asked this morning is what is the pathway to spiritual fullness? Uh, this was a question that I probably wrestled with the most 15 years ago when we began our ministry in Zambia, Africa. I still remember it was about 15 years ago, uh, late October. Uh, we were living in Huron, South Dakota, and I remember as the semi-truck with the container came, and a number of our friends from the church, there was about 15 to 20 if I remember right, and we took all of our belongings and began to pack it in a container, a container which we would not see for another five months. And I still recall when all of the boxes were packed and those doors began to close and then that semi-driver locked it. And I remember as that semi begin to drive away. And I looked at all of our friends standing there, 
realizing that there's going to be times that we would see them for many years. My wife and I boarded a plane with five of our children. I would not recommend that. They were six and under at the time. And I remember after 30-some hours finally arriving in Kitwe, Zambia, we knew little of the culture. We knew little of the language. We had no place to live for three months, so we lived in different homes. And during that time, within a month, we experienced our first wave in our family, the first wave of malaria. When we finally found a house, for days on end, we would have no running water. We had no electricity. And the question that came to my mind is what had we gotten ourselves into? And when all of that was stripped away, the challenge that I came face to face within myself is where do I find my fullness and where do I find my security? And this question, as I was thinking through the series, it's a question I want to ask this morning. Because in a world that has been radically transformed in the last eight months, when the things that we had found comfort, things that we have found security in, have been removed and stripped away, where do we find our fullness? Where do we find our security? And this is exactly what Paul is addressing. I think God is calling us. Yes, Lord. He's happy with the passage that we picked. This is exactly what Paul was addressing in the book of Colossians. I want you to take your eyes very quickly and look at verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 19. Notice what Paul says there. He says, For it pleased the Father that in him, that's in Christ, should all, and I want you to notice that word, the word fullness dwells. That word fullness in the Greek is the word pleroma. It has the idea of completion or totality or full measure. It's that which brings us security or brings us satisfaction. And this is a word that Paul's going to use over and over in this book because there was a certain teaching that began to creep into the church. And it was something like this. Here's what the Colossians were starting to believe. There is something out there, an entity or something, outside of Jesus Christ called the Pleroma. And if we can tap into that, if we can experience that, then we can find fullness or completion or totality or satisfaction or security. And so Paul, addressing this, writes them to correct this. That basically he says, 
that all of the pleroma, all of the fullness, dwells in Jesus Christ. He is not equal with it. He is far superior than it, and it's out of him that we find fullness. And so to understand Paul and what he's going to argue is if you're going to find fullness or completion, Paul is going to say, you need to understand who Jesus is. And so who is Jesus? Let's go ahead and let's just start, and we're going to move very quickly. Look at verse 15. Paul begins with this statement, talking about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, and look at this next phrase, the firstborn of every creature. In essence, that word firstborn in Hebrew and then in Greek here means preeminent or superior. And so what Paul first goes on to argue about Jesus is that Jesus is superior to creation. He's above it. Look at verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And so Jesus is the author of creation. Now just think about creation for a moment. Just think of the vastness of our galaxy. The distance of the earth from the sun is 93 million miles away. It takes eight and a half minutes for the light of the sun to reach earth. So at 6 a.m., when the sun pops its head and you wake up, or 7 a.m., or 8 o'clock in Minnesota during the winter, that sun started traveling at 8 or 6 or 5.51 if it came at 6. In comparison, if you were to cross our galaxy from one point to the other, it takes 100,000 light years. Now, just to give you an idea of what a light year is, a light year is equivalent to about 6 trillion miles. How big is our galaxy? Pretty big. Now, in 2016, a study was done by scientists to try to figure out how big our universe was. And here's what they said. There is roughly, get this, there is estimated to be roughly 2 million, or to, excuse me, 2 trillion galaxies in our universe. Now, if ours is that big, then you do 2 trillion, and some of the galaxies are as big as ours, some are smaller, some are a lot bigger. How big is the universe? Pretty big. Now let's ask this question. How big is Jesus? If an author or an artist paints something, the painting is a reflection to how great 
the author is. And sometimes when I'm counseling people, I'll hear a statement like this, I'm just looking for proof that God exists. And I go, really? I mean, folks, when you walked outside yesterday and I saw the snow falling, Okay, first I rejoiced and then I cried, but when I saw it (laughs) falling, I thought, wow, how beautiful is our God. How powerful is our God. How intelligent is our God. And Paul says, you want to know the one who created that all? It's Jesus Christ. And so creation, the artwork, is a reflection of the painter. He is superior than it. And so Jesus created it all. Look at verse 17. Not only is he the author, but verse 17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And so he's the author He's above everything, and he's the sustainer of everything. Hebrews says it's by the word of his power that he holds all things together. Two trillion galaxies. Folks, can I just encourage you? We need to be good stewards of our earth, I understand that. But nothing's going to happen to this world Until Jesus says it's time. Because he is the author and he is the sustainer. So not only does Paul begin by saying that Jesus is superior to creation, but now he moves down and look at verse 18 through 20. Jesus is superior to the church. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body. Who's the body? The church, who is the beginning, talking about Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have what? Preeminence, superiority. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So Jesus is superior to the church. Now think about this. When God created the world back in Genesis, he created a beautiful world where there was no death, there's no sin, there's no hurts, there's no pains, and where his presence dwelled. Now, What happened to this beautiful world in Genesis chapter 3? Sin entered. Man was removed from the presence of God. And what is the ultimate outcome for all of us outside of Christ's return? It is the great enemy that all mankind throughout all history has feared. And if the world would have continued this way, 
It would have been a hopeless world. But the Father had a plan. Whom did he send to redeem it and to reconcile it? He sent his Son, Jesus Christ. And how did his Son redeem or is going to reconcile all of creation, according to Romans chapter 8? He did it. By hanging on a cruel cross and dying for the sins of this world. He paid the price. He paid the penalty for sin. He took sin's curse upon himself. And when he cried out, it is finished, and he lowered his head in death, And then three days later, what happened? Imagine as those early ladies went there and the earthquake took place and the stone was rolled away. And who conquered death? Jesus. And here Paul says, he is the first fruits. What does that mean, folks? For those who are part of the body, the church, what's going to happen to us? You remember the story of Lazarus? When Jesus goes to the tomb, three days, he was four days, he was dead. And what did he do? Lazarus, come forth. What's going to happen to us someday? That great enemy death will be conquered, is conquered, because of what Jesus has done. And there's coming a time when he comes back, when that resurrection will take place, and the whole world will once again be reconciled back to God. Are you looking forward to that time? Especially as you look at what's happening in today's world. He's superior over church. He's superior over creation. He's superior over the church. Now look at what Paul does. Verse 21, and you. So he begins with the creation of the universe, moves down to the church and the reconciling of all things. Now he moves into your life and my life. And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. I mean, what were we like before salvation? We were alienated, not just in our actions, but in our thinking. We were enemies to God. And what did he do? He hath reconciled. How did he do it? Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death. Why? To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So now if you know him, if you've come to him by faith, he says you're reconciled 
And he did it through his death, dying on the cross. Now what Paul then begins to do, he talks about how Christ is superior. He's superior over creation. He's superior over the church. He's superior over you. Then Paul, like many times what he does, he gives a parenthesis and he says, let me tell you how my ministry fits into this. And we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. But I want to show you where everything is moving. Everything that Paul is doing is building up to this main point. Look over at Colossians chapter 2 and look at verse 8. Paul says this, Beware lest any man spoil you or rob you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. Now look at verse 9. For in him, that's Christ, dwells all of the pleroma, the fullness, the completion, the totality of the Godhead bodily. So Paul says it again. Just like back in chapter 119. In him, dwells all the fullness. Now look at verse 10. And you are, and what's the word you have in your Bibles there? That word complete is the same word that he used in verse 9 for fullness. And you are pleroma, the verb form, in him which is the head of all principality and power. So Christ, in him dwells all the fullness, and you are made full, total, find your satisfaction, find your fullness in him alone. Now folks, what is Paul saying? That outside of Christ, we need nothing more. And once again, this was the big battle that I had to face when everything is stripped away. Men, when your jobs are gone. Ladies, when your children are gone. When the finances are depleted or the economy crashes. Or the political side takes a different look or curve than what we're used to. Where do we find our security and our fullness? It's not in those things. It's ultimately in Jesus Christ. For salvation first, and then in every area of my life. Now here's the question. I want to end with this. How do we experience that? Because I'm guessing right now, all of you are going, yep, good job, that's true, yep. But like me, some of you, when something is taken away, many times it's very, very hard. The Lord has to reveal to me, Lee, that's where your security was at. So let me close with this. We're not going to unpack it. You can study it on your own time. But look at verse 6. Here's what he says of chapter 2. 
As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. That's the first thing. Have you received him? Do you believe in him by faith? That what Paul is saying here of who he is, have you by faith trusted him? Paul says, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. So how do you walk in him? Verse 7, rooted, it's a gardening term, you've been planted. You ever been over to pastor in Cindy's garden? You ever marvel? You go in the back, the front yard looks nice, but then you go in the back and you go, oh, wow. Every plant has been put by their hands in the soil, in the place where they want it to grow. That's the word that Paul is using. When you got saved, God took you, planted you in the soil of Christ, now he's building, and that's, that's a word for construction. He's building a temple. He's growing you. And then look at what it says again. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established. That's the word to be strengthened in the faith. So here's what Paul is saying. You received him, but you, now you need to be growing in him and strengthening in your what? What's the word he uses after established? In the, in the faith. Our faith is how we experience. We need to be growing in that. And so how do you do that? Well, you continually come back to the truths of who Christ is and what he has done for you. Then when the uncertainties and hurts come our way that threaten to rob us, we run to him who is the fullness of God and find our fullness in him and him alone. I remember when we were back in Zambia and my health got so bad. I remember times as I'd walk into my office and with tears coming down, Say, God, take it away. Take it away. I don't want it. I still remember the one time when I opened up to Psalm 46, where God begins and says, I am your refuge. I am your fortress. I am your present help in the time of trouble. And as tears came down, I said, thank you, God, for that. You see, folks, no matter what we're going through, we can endure it as we live by faith, run to him by faith, and find our fullness in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this book. Thank you for the truth that Paul is bringing. That, Father, our completion, our security, all that we need is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Father, would you help 
us as a church to claim that and to believe that. And Lord, if there is one here who maybe has never received the gospel, would you, Father, just work in their hearts, draw them. Father, we love you, we praise you, and Father, we thank you for the great truths that we looked at. In Jesus' name, amen.